Well, I'm going to invite you to, con- to continue in worship in the Word this morning. We're going to um, be finishing the first part of our series in the book of Ephesians uh, today together. And um, I'm going I'm to do what I always do as we enter into Scripture. You'll notice we, we pray a lot. I'm going to pray again as we enter into the Word. I want to explain to you why I do this. Um, and if you've been here a while, you're going to be like, I already know this part of the story, but I still want you to understand why we do it. We believe that the Word of God is inspired by the Spirit of God, right? It's perfect. And, 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 it's, and it's his revelation to his people. We live in a culture that would say, well, there's a lot of people who have things figured out. We know how stuff works. We got a good idea. We, we thought some things up. But this book has stood the test of time and has been around for thousands of years, thousands of years. And, and the reason that the people have continued to study it, to pray over it, uh, to meditate on it, and to try to apply it to their lives is because it, it transforms us. It changes things. But not the book by itself. The Spirit of God that inspired it lives in each of you. And therefore, whenever we enter into the Word, many times, if you were like me, you would say, well, I read it, I don't, I don't understand it. We enter in requesting God's assistance, the same Spirit that inspired it. We ask Him, help us to understand what you've written. Help us even more to apply it to our lives. And so this is why we pray. I would encourage you any time in your life, whether you're even a, not a believer yet, if you read the Word, I would encourage you to pray first. Pray first. Asking God to reveal truth to you and then seek him. He answers those kind of prayers. So please join me this morning uh, in praying as we enter the word. Father God, this morning we've come here to, uh, to en- engage in a conversation with you, to really listen to you, Father. To listen to your word, to listen to uh, one another and, and figure out how we're supposed to be changing. How we're supposed to be more like you. And uh, Father, today we come to you again just asking for your sovereign hand to be shaping us, and Father, really to make your word alive to us. Not that a person convinced us, but that you spoke, Lord. I'm reminded again of how your spirit dwells in us and compels us toward you. And I know, Father, as a follower of your son and as one who has been saved, that there is a reality that you move in us, pulling us, pushing us toward your kingdom. And Father, that's what we pray for today. We pray that you would be at work in our hearts and minds, that you would be opening us to the word of truth, and that you would indeed give us your revelation, that we could live differently, more glorifying to you, and that we can expect eternity, a time of such abundance and presence that we can hardly imagine here where we live today. We love you so much. We thank you for your continued faithfulness through your Son and our Savior, Jesus. We continue to thank you for your presence through your Holy Spirit. And we pray in his holy name. Amen. So this morning, um, we're going we're gonna to wrap the first three chapters of, of Ephesians. And I've told you a few times, but this is kind of how the book is divided. It stops kind of at Ephesians 3, and it picks up again in Ephesians 4. Um, Corey mentioned to you earlier, they had those little, those little cards we've made um, in the back. What we're going to do, I'm going to see if I can find mine right quick here. Um, we're going to do a little three-week series. Um, let me see if I can find it. Here we go. Um, and, and it's called the Passion Series. 
And um, it's the week before Easter, the week of Easter, and the week after Easter. And, and it's, it's no great mystery. We're even talking about the, you know, how God's designed us with, in, to be passionate, and his passion speaks at Easter. That's what we really, that's why we celebrate Easter the way we celebrate it. You know, Christmas is interesting, but Easter is phenomenal. Um, and so uh, I would encourage you to grab those and, and invite folks, um, because we're going to really be digging into the word and hearing the kind of that threefold narrative of God's great passion for his people. And so we're going to kind of stop with Ephesians at the end of chapter 3 here, and we're going to pick up later uh, after a few weeks um, at Ephesians 4. And so if you've been joining with us, you'll know that we've been kind of walking through verse by verse. But, um, but today we're going to finish with this idea of prayer, okay? And we kind of mentioned this before a little bit uh, in this, earlier in the series, but I'm, I wonder this morning, have you ever prayed um, boldly? before? Um, have you ever prayed uh, um, boldly for someone? And, uh, I, you know, I was thinking about that, and I think, you know, we pray a lot, but, but our prayers are, are kind of, um, well, they're kind of anemic. Matter of fact, I, I think probably one of the things that happens often in, in church life is that, that when we pray, we, we pray as... Um, a way to kind of get things started and wrap things up. But we spend most of our time in the middle just, you know, not praying, not praying. And, and as I studied this uh, scripture, by the way, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. You can turn there if, you, um, if you'd like to. We'll be walking through that in a moment. But I, I wonder if we've prayed um, boldly before. A few weeks ago in the series, I, I asked a question. I said, do you, do you allow people to pray for you? We, we talk a lot about how, you know, you can pray for aunt so-and-so, you can pray for my neighbor, you can pray for, but do you let people into your life to pray for you? That was kind of Paul in, in the first chapter of Ephesians. He talked about um, how he was praying for the, the people in Ephesus, and, and, and they were um, being blessed by his prayer right? But here we're going to talk at the end because he boldly, he prays boldly. And this is some, uh, the word is so profound here that I want to walk through it. But it's just, if you read this as a prayer, you go, wow, that, this, this should inspire us of how to pray. This should really shape us of how we can pray. And so this morning, if you would look with me in the book of Ephesians, I want to kind of talk about what it looks like to pray boldly, to stand boldly. And I want to look at why Paul does it, what he does, and how it kind of it works. It seems to work as Paul has written this letter to the Ephesians. Well, read with me, if you would, in chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I just want to stop at verse 14 right away because some of you haven't been here for the last few weeks. We've been in Ephesians for I don't know how many weeks now. It's been a while, right? And um, Paul has been laying out step by step all the realities of what we have in Jesus Christ. We talked before about how in Jesus Christ, um, those who were near to God and those who were far to God both offered, were offered a solution, right? We, we talked about how the Jews were looking for a Messiah, but the Gentiles needed a Savior. And, and in the cross, Jesus is both Messiah and Savior. 
And when we kind of talked about how Paul builds all this, and I want you to see, the reason I'm even making a big deal out of this, I want you to see what Paul says as he begins to pray for the Ephesians. He starts off in verse 14, and what does he say? For this reason. If you look at that passage, what you have to understand is that he's literally saying, because of everything I've just explained to you, this is how I'm going to pray. Because of everything that you already know to be true about whom uh, God is, about what God has done in your life. Every week we provide these things to you called connection card, engagement sheets, rather. They have connection cards on the bottom of them. And we make those available to you, um, not because we want something to do with our time. We have plenty to do. But we really want to try to find other ways to communicate truth, to, to share this with you. Um, we hope that you take these home. You know, they don't have to frame them and put them on your stuff, you know, but if they just fall out places. I've seen some people who've been carrying some around that they've written on once in a while, you know. And, and I want to read through because these kind of sum up Ephesians 1 through 3. The first week we talked about what it means to be sent by God, how I can be a faithful servant like Paul was, how I can live in grace and peace. And then we get into the book of Ephesians, and and the first thing we're asked is, do you know that you're a blessed child of God? There's some threads that run through the book of Ephesians that we'll hear again today. He said just now, he said, I go to, I bend my knee to the Father. I bend my knee. For this reason, I bend my knee. You're a child of God that you're an orphan who's been adopted, that you're fully redeemed. Fully redeemed, that's a great truth for us to understand. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that we are fulfilled, we are complete in him. We are sinners that are forgiven. That God is mysterious. We were talking a few weeks ago, after we talked about this, I was with some folks, and we were talking about the mystery of God, and, and I believe it's in Isaiah who writes and says, who can trace the ways of God? His ways are untraceable. His paths are unsearchable. Only the Spirit of God knows God fully. It's like, and we're talking about it, and it's as if you were, you had the largest coloring sheet of your life, the, the largest one. I want you to imagine it for a minute, and you start to try to follow God's threads. I don't know if you're like me. I try to follow God's threads in my life, but you run out of paper and ink. You can't get, because he's bigger than that. He's bigger than your imagination. We don't know everything there is to know yet. We live for God's time and God's glory. Looking, pressing on here, it says, um, you know, the gospel is truth proclaimed. The good news is that we have a savior and a messiah and that in him we can have true life. We're asked to believe this. It's a gift of faith. What a, what a great word. We're stamped as God's inheritance. We talked about how we're sealed. We're, Paul's been talking ever since he started the book of Ephesians. He's been talking about this triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit whom was sent for you, to mark you, to seal you for the day of redemption. We talked, here it is, and it was a tw- the, um, February 26th, we talked about someone praying. Do we let others pray for us? Do you let anybody in? You know, too many times I'll ask somebody, how are you doing? And they'll say, fine, I get it, you know. And, and I do the same thing. I mean, I'm, I do it. But then, do you let anybody in? Is there anyone in your life that you trust that, that much, that you would... Be honest with them. Hmm. God gives us great power in prayer. Indeed, power to raise the dead. 
We were dead in our sin and disobedience. We deserved God's wrath, but yet, in spite of that, God made us alive in Christ, is what he wrote in Ephesians. We are saved by grace for good works. Here we go. And then, we were once far from God, without hope and without God, but Christ brought us near. I mean, this gift in Jesus himself. And, and then he brought us peace, and, and he is building us into his kingdom and then last week, we talked about how the only reason, I mean, not the only reason, but the reason that we're given grace and the gospel is so we can give it to others. So Paul has built this whole idea that it's not about us, it's about God, and it's about what God is doing. And it's all these truths he's been saying to the church in Ephesus. I want to remind you again that the letter that he wrote is written to the saints in Ephesus. He's saying, listen, this is what you already have. This is the gift you've already been given. And, and I don't know if you're like me when you read the book of Ephesians, but he's building toward this moment where he's going he's gonna to kind of turn the corner and he's going to say, so live. Live according to these promises. Today, as we enter into the 14th verse of the third chapter, he says, for this reason, because of all that stuff, church, because of all those realities, I bend my knee before the Father. Paul uh, encourages, exhorts is probably a good word. It just means like to set by example, to, to show us it can be done, how we can pray boldly, how we can pray boldly. Paul's prayers in themselves are rooted, I want you to hear this, Paul doesn't pray because he's a great man. Paul, Paul talks as one who was formerly far from God, as one who was thinking he was doing God's work, but far from God's heart. He says that, you know, I, I was um, uh, the worst. Paul here prays a prayer for the church in Ephesus, rooted not in his righteousness, not in his ability, not in who he is, but in the reality of what God has done. This is key. For this reason... Because of what God has done, because of the reality in Jesus, I bend my knee before the Father. I'm trying to encourage you today, as we hear Paul pray, that we start to ask ourselves, how would we pray? Can, can we pray like Paul? Can we go? And I know so many of you I've talked to, and you say, this can't be me. This, how does this work? I mean, you don't, you don't know. Listen, it's not about you. It's about what God has already done. And that's what Paul has been saying in the first three chapters. It's about the reality. We root our prayers in the confidence of what God has accomplished in Jesus Christ. We root our prayers even more so in the confidence of the outpouring of his Holy Spirit among us. Paul says, for this reason, I bend my knee before the Father. So, um, so the first thing is, is that... Um, when we go to pray boldly, I, I want you to see two kind of uh, realities when you're praying for anybody. This is going to be true for anyone. And the first is this, that Paul, Paul says, I pray to God the Father. And Paul fundamentally believes that God is a loving Father. When he comes to, to, um, to pray, to ask God for a, um, what he's going to ask him for, for here for the Ephesian uh, church, for the, for the saints in Ephesus. He asks in confidence, but he comes asking as a gr to a gracious father. I bend my knee before the father. I want to remind you that this is rooted in a truth that Jesus taught himself. 
right? In Matthew uh, chapter 7, during this, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. He said, which one of you, if your son would ask for a loaf of bread, would give him a stone, right? Which one of you, if he asked for an egg, would give him a snake or a scorpion? Do you see what's happening? Jesus asked the question, which one of you who is here today, if your child asks you for something good, nourishing, holy, healthy, you know, just, just a, a blessing, would instead, would instead be, be evil enough, be bad enough to give them something that would be harmful? Jesus asked the question. It's a rhetorical question. Because any father who was there would say, you know, I might have my struggles with my kids, but I would never give them something harmful when they ask for good, right? I mean, that's what your heart says. Which of you would, would give your son a stone? I wouldn't. I mean, I mean I'm not the world's greatest dad, but I wouldn't give him a rock instead of bread to eat. Here, eat your rock. You know what I mean? I would be like, you know, it's crazy to think that that would be the way it would work. And Jesus says this in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? My favorite verses of Scripture is Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be open. Jesus says, you can come to your heavenly Father and you can ask him. And when Paul comes on behalf of the church, knowing full well what Jesus has done, trying to explain to the church, these are all the things that have already been done. All you have to do is just, you know, know them and live as though they've come to be. I mean, because they have. He says, because of that, I go to the heavenly Father, the loving Father. I bend my knee before the Father in heaven. So we approach God as a heavenly Father. The second thing that we can keep in mind as Paul continues, look at what the word says in verse, uh, in verse 15. From whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That's not quite accurate. It's not quite accurate. What the word actually says there is from whom every family. Now, this is going to be an interactive service this morning. I hope you're okay with that. And it, 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 what Paul says here is that, that every family on he in heaven and earth are given its name from the Father in heaven. That's what Paul writes right there in Ephesians. Every family. So I want to ask a question. How many of you um, have a father? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're not very good at this stuff. I can uh, refer you back to uh, middle school sexual education class. How many of you have a father? Um, right? Everybody has a father. Everybody. And what Paul says here, because this is, I want you to see that he is praying for uh, the families of God. And, and every family, the, the word literally means one with a father. Every family has been given its name by God. And this is a hard thing. Because I know that for some of you, you guys had fantastic fathers. And, and so for you, it's like, oh, yes, I, it's, it's kind of like my dad. I want to th tell you something. That's not true. Your dad could have been the best dad in the world, but he, he, he doesn't hold a candle to God the Father. He doesn't. 
and some of you have, have, have had a really bad experience with your earthly father. And you go like, hmm, you know, I didn't raise my hand on that father thing because I don't know. I don't know, you know, where my father is. I don't see my father. Hardly ever. And I want to say to all of you, your heavenly father is a loving father. And, and, and in this rootedness that we pray, we not only pray, this is why I wanted to share this with you, because Paul prays not just going to the heavenly father, because of course he is going to the heavenly father, but he's coming and he's praying on behalf of those who are been, have been given their name by God. That's what the word says. I'm not sure I'm being clear. Let me explain this to you. No matter who it is you're praying for, they're a child of God. That's what I believe. I mean, no matter who the person is, when you look them in the eye, you're like, yes, child of God. Everyone you see. Because Paul doesn't say, you know, the word here kind of says his family, like it's going to be exclusive. No, no, no. It's every, pas, each, everyone. So therefore, church, I want you to hear this morning that every person that you pray for, every person you would look in the eye, every person that you would be able to see, even if you would think far from God, don't know God, God, I don't know, you know, what's going on, that, that the word says that everyone has been given a name. By the heavenly father. You know, the whole story of the cross is a story of children returning to God. That means they were always God. And this is the gospel of Jesus. That we come through the son to the father. That he's made a way through his spirit. That that part in us and so I, I just want to put that out there and say, you know, that everyone has a father. And, and you know, there's, there's some stuff that has, needs to be healed all, almost always with fathers, right? I mean, my, my kids know this is going to be true for us, and I know it's true for me. But it's important that we understand that we come to God. We root it, our prayers, in a loving father beyond that paper that we can't trace. We, he's so good. This is how we pray. So... The question is, how do we pray boldly? I'm going to read here with you now. We're going to jump into Paul's prayer because I want you to see and I want you to hear and I want you to feel, I want you to know the sincerity of Paul's prayer here. I don't know if you sent it when you're reading the scripture, but Paul's been saying, this is all the stuff, this is all the stuff, this is all the stuff. And he's building to this point, but I want you to hear this morning the profound nature of Paul's prayer for the saints in Ephesus. For this reason, I bend my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, by the way, in heaven and earth. And I say, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's the first thing. If you want to pray boldly for someone, you can pray that they would be strong in spirit. You, 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 can, you can pray like Paul does, that he would strengthen us in our innermost being. What a great prayer. No matter what's going on in someone's life, you can pray that way. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, dunamis, through the spirit in your inner being. Listen, in your inner being. And then look at verse 17 with me. So that Christ, that's the anointed, may dwell in your hearts through faith. That the very gift of the strength of the power of God is that in your spirit, in your, in your inner being, you have faith in Jesus Christ. I told you earlier that God has a spirit in you. 
And I'm telling you, as one who, who thought he was far from God, that every week, whenever I'd hang out with people who were believing in this real, living, active God, that I would feel this inward compulsion that was like something inside kind of hammering at the door of my heart, wanting to get out. It wasn't people trying to push in. It was something in me compelling me forward. I would say it was this, the strength of the Spirit of God in our innermost being compelling us. We can pray that for anyone. Oh God, that you would give them strength and spirit. That you would so, we said what earlier in our song, so overwhelm them with your presence that they could have faith. I mean, and there you go, Steve 17, because that faith can't be taken. <laughs> That's a God thing. That's a God thing in us. So the first thing we can do is we can pray uh, 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 for strength of spirit for those that we're praying for. It's where we can pray boldly in what God has done. You know, uh, often, well, this prayer is for everybody. <laughs> this prayer is for everybody. But sometimes in life, you can get knocked around, you know. You can just get beat up. And people can talk to you and they'll say, you know, what's going on? Oh, I don't, I don't even want to talk. I mean, you know, or you'll be like, I'm fine. <laughs> You're faking, you know. But you can be beat up, and this is a prayer that can just sustain you. I mean, this is a prayer that can bless you no matter what is going on. A strength of spirit. Have you ever been beat up like that? Could you use a prayer like that? Could you, know, could you pray for someone that you know like that? Read with me in verse 17 again. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ. We can pray that folks would be powered by God, you know? I mean, compelled in life by God given strength. You'll see it happens twice here. He says it back in verse 16. He says, I pray that, that he would strengthen you with power through his spirit. And in verse 18, he says, may you, that you may have power together with all the saints. This is his prayer that the power of God would be compelling this person in their life. And in this case, it was Ephesus. And sometimes it's us. And sometimes it's someone else. We can pray this prayer for them. And this power, again, is how vastly unbelievably huge God's love is for us. Someone who can't have things snatched from their hand. Someone who you can't find the edges. You can't find the, the, the perimeter of his abundant love. When Paul writes this letter and he asks that God would root and establish him in love. He means this overwhelming love, this, this huge love. And then, so this is another way you can pray. Pray that they would give strength and spirit. Pray that they'd be powered by God. And, and really, powered by God means like directed and, and guided and everything else. And then the next is this, that they could be rooted in his love. And this is a beautiful thing because I don't know if you ever, you know, right now it's, it's beautiful out. I mean, today is going to be gorgeous, gorgeous outside, right? And as you go into, everything's in bloom, everything's standing tall. But we've had some storms lately, haven't we? And one of the things that you realize when you see a tree is that sometimes those, those trees that look so beautiful and magnificent and glorious just blow right over, don't they? Big old root ball just sticking up. 
Because the reality is that for anything that's real, that's genuine, that's authentic, that's going to stand the storms, it has to have this rooted system below it, right? That for everything that you see on the surface sticking out, there has to be the equal amount grounded and rooted underneath, you understand, to give it a strong a, a base, the ability to grip, the ability to hang on, the ability to be nourished. And Paul says, whenever you pray for someone, you can pray like this, that you would be rooted in God's love. We can pray that way for people. God, that you would just, just let them dig deep into the reality of who you are. Let them, let them go deep for the water. Let them, you know, no, not this kind of surface cheesy bumper sticker stuff, like real, authentic growth. Matter of fact, how about a prayer like this? Lord, we don't want a great, big, glorious tree if there's no root. Let it be a sapling until it can grow into its rootedness. Let, let the things that are seen come after. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes we want all the results of God with none of the relationship with God. We want to have all the good stuff that we see and we hear about, but we don't want to spend the time rooting and living and dwelling and, and just drawing our nourishment from him. This is what Paul says. I pray that you would be rooted and established, built in his love. That's what he says in verse 17. What a glorious prayer so that they can be strong in spirit, that they can be powered by God. They can be rooted in his love. And then here's what he says. Read with me in verse um, 18. We'll pick it up there. They may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how deep, and how um, high is the love of Christ. Listen to it. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you, he's praying for the church, may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Filled up. Filled up. Now, I know what you may be thinking. You may be thinking, man, what are you talking about? When people come to me, they come to me and they say, I need your prayer because I have this thing going on. Or I need your prayer because, you know, this is going on with my family or this is going on with my marriage. This is going on with my... I, and I want to say that Paul is always talking what's really going on in our lives. And whenever he writes this prayer for the Ephesians, he understands the magnitude of what Christ is doing. And therefore, I believe that when we pray these prayers, these are bold prayers because you know what? If we have those concerns, those, and by the way, these are bigger little things. I don't think there's such thing as to God, our God, our Father, as a little problem for us. I don't believe it. Like, I don't believe there's things in your life that you go, this is, I'm not gonna bother King of Heaven with all this stuff. You know what I mean? What is that saying? It's saying, I got this one. This is, big, you know, I can handle this, God. No, everything is a big deal. Everything is a big deal. And so whenever Paul prays, he prays that those would be filled with the full measure of God. We've talked about this before, this idea of, you know, the outpouring of the Spirit. But this is the idea that it's running over. Guess what happens when your cup is full of God's things? There's no room for other stuff. I'm not saying there's no room for stuff in life. God put us here. This is his creation. I'm saying there's no room for the, the, um, you know, the evil that would drag us down, the, the wickedness, the, the doubt, the anxiety. I mean, these things are driven from us. And I want to encourage you in, our, in your bold prayer that you can pray, a, you can pray any way you are, right where you are. Like nothing gets me more irritated than people go, I, you know, when they say, well, I can't pray right. Just pray. There, there are more authentic prayers prayed by people who think they're far from God than there are in all the chapels and all the cathedrals in all the world. 
I, I mean, I just know that's true. If you read the entire book of the Bible, the m- multiple books, if you read them, it's, there's constantly, God says, I hear the cries of my people. He hears every prayer. And so what I'm trying to encourage you to do today is to pray boldly. Pray boldly for one another. To pray boldly in what God is doing. And, and stop digging around the surface. Do we know how great it is what we have in God? I want to do something with you. That's the last thing we'll do. I want to do something with you. My question is, how do we do it? Because I can get up here and I can talk about it. I can tell you, hey, this is what you're going to do. But how do, we, how do we really do that in our life? And, you know, if, if you've ever been involved in sports at all, you know how you get ready for the game? You practice, right? You practice. You practice, 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 practice. That's how you do it. No mystery. So I want to do something with you this morning. I want to call it the one-minute drill. It's not going to be too weird, so don't freak out, okay? Um, but, but I want you to stop. I want you right now just to stop with me because I, one thing that I always... God is present. It's just we don't acknowledge him. And we talk about God like he's not here right now. But God's here right now. So I want you to take a moment right now. We're going to take one minute, and I want you to bring this something, mind something. You're not going to... I don't want you to be... Don't check out on me and think, well, I'm not going to share. You're not going to share. I want you to bring it to mind, to your heart. I want you to bring it to the forefront of your thoughts. I want you to just hold it up there for a minute. Something you're struggling with, something that you're unsure about, something you don't know what's going on. And we're going to take one minute, one minute of our time right now, and we're going to think about that. One thing. Okay. Now, you got that thing, right? I got a thing. You got a thing. One thing. Now, I want you to look around the room for a minute. To look around the room and look at a few people. You know, somebody came with, somebody you don't know, all across the room. Look around the room, just think about it for a minute. Now, I'm going to ask you to join me in praying. You don't have to pray out loud. I'm just going to pray what we've been talking about right here. But you can agree with me in your spirit for that person. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. For someone else, not for you. I'm going to ask you to pray for someone else in this room that that, that the thing that they brought to mind, that, that God would do this mighty work, that he would do this mighty work. Please join me in praying for one another. Father, we come here today because Paul teaches us to come here and bend a knee to you. We trust you as our heavenly father, and we trust that every person that we've looked at today, every person we've seen is your child. And today, Father God, we come to you and we pray that 
the person that you've brought to mind for us, that the concern that they brought before you, Father, that whatever that is that they're struggling with, that they would be made strong in your spirit. That right now, Father, they need you to strengthen them for what they're facing. And we pray, Lord, that you would give them that strength. Not, not that it'll be you in their life. Strengthen them from the inside out. That they no longer have to pretend to be okay. They could just be where they are and let you work, let you be you in them. Father, we pray that you would do that work. You've promised us good things. The best thing of all is your spirit in us. So we pray that, Father, now. We, we pray, Lord, that you would power them in their life. That, that, meaning you would direct them toward the solution that you have for them, that you would show them clearly, Father. We pray for not shades of gray and murkiness, but black and white, something that would be very clear to them, that they would know, not that, that they could really have faith and, and walk with you through. That you would power them, Lord, that you would do that work. That they could know your love. And then, Father, we pray that, that for that person right now, that, that tree that stands alone, that seemingly is whipping in the wind and about to crash, that you would strengthen them in your love, that they would really take root today. That it wouldn't require any particular effort, but just the reality of what you've done, that they could be strong and be rooted in your great love, the great love, Father, that is so abundant for all of us, for all of us, that we could have that. Let's give you praise for it today. And lastly, Father, for that person, we pray that they would be filled to the fullest measure. And you know, maybe, Lord, they didn't come here today to be filled with the fullest measure of you. Maybe they came here, like many of us, unprepared, unready to see you, unready to hear the truth of your existence, the reality of your presence. But today, Father, we pray that it's an overwhelming reality, that in their lives that they would be surrounded, Father. So many times it, it, it can feel like we're drowning in life, and we pray, Father, we'd be drowning in your love that we be consumed by your great love for us. And we pray that, Father, for that person you laid on our heart. Answer the prayers of a petitioning heart, Father. Come to us where we are because we can go no further on our own. We pray, Lord, that you would do your work through the faithful prayers of your people. And, Father, if we wrap up our time with you today, our time and just crying out to you. We pray that you would not answer these prayers because we deserve to be answered. But you answer these prayers because you are God and you are good. And this is the way you work. And so, Father, we do, we just petition because of what we can count on from you, because of what we know you to do, who we know you to be. And Lord, we just give you these prayers today. And we pray it so flippantly, Lord, and we apologize for how flippantly we say the Son, the Savior, the Lord Jesus, because he did it all for us. 
And that's why we come to you in his name asking for good gifts for your children. Good gifts, Lord, that you would give them by the power of your spirit. In the name of your son, the name of all names, Jesus Christ. I give you this time of prayer. I give you these concerns of our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.